Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. With Robo Hair. Sprite Castle. Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which we play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, we will be discussing Jumpman and Jumpman Jr. Trivia question, do you know what planet the game Jumpman takes place on? Listen to this episode and you will find the answer. Before we get started with this episode's game, let's check the Daily Sun for this week's Paperboy headlines. Well, first and foremost, I have to uh, tell everyone, if you don't know, that I live in Oklahoma, in the middle of the United States, for those of you listening outside of the United States. And Oklahoma has been in the national news over the past week for a tornado outbreak. I talked about tornadoes in one of my other podcasts. If you check out You Don't Know Flack, I'll add a link to that uh, podcast, that episode in the show notes. But in You Don't Know Flack, I talked about tornadoes. Oklahoma is somewhat infamous for uh, tornadoes and tornado outbreaks. And this week has been no exception. We've had over a dozen tornadoes touch down in the last few days. And it has been quite a harrowing experience. It's always exciting uh, to come home from work, turn on the TV, see the news maps, see the weathermen all excited about incoming tornadoes and watching the storms and crossing your fingers that the storms won't uh, hit your part of town or your neighborhood. So that has uh, put some of my podcasting a little bit behind schedule. So we are recording Sprite Castle a day late. Uh, I want to give uh, a shout out to two different podcasts. Uh, the first is the BBS. Uh, I call it the BBS podcast. It is the Electric Dreams podcast. It is a podcast all about uh, classic bulletin board systems. And uh, it covers everything from old BBSs to modern BBSs that you can tell net into. It's a really good podcast. So I suggest you check it out. I will add a link to that podcast in the show notes. And then I forgot to mention my buddy Sean's new podcast, which is the Average Runner Podcast. Now, I have to tell you up front, the Average Runner Podcast is all about uh, running and uh, exercise. It has nothing to do with uh, Commodore 64 or with classic technology or vintage games. But when my friend uh, launched, and Sean is my co-host on Throwback Reviews, if you... Uh, haven't listened to that and you like 80s movies, you should check out throwbackreviews.com. And Sean has launched uh, the Average Runner podcast, and his podcast about running is what inspired me to pick track and field, which is what I did on the last episode of Sprite Castle. So anyway, uh, I forgot to mention that on Sprite Castle, but if you uh, are thinking about, if you've been wanting to start jogging, you want to make that transition uh, into jogging for exercise or for fun, or uh, if you already jog and you want to uh, hear from other people that are into uh, running, then you should check out the Average Runner podcast. Now on to some more Commodore specific news. First of all, Commodore Free issue number 87 
has been released. I just saw this yesterday, so I haven't had a chance to read it, but I have read, I think, every episode of Commodore Free. Uh, I really enjoy Commodore Free along with uh, Reset 64. They're both really uh, good zines to read, to uh, read gaming reviews and, and to find out what's going on in the Commodore world. So anyway, um, and all these things that I mentioned, I will have links to in the show notes. So don't feel like you have to uh, stop the podcast to go Google Commodore Free. I will have a link uh, in the show notes. You can just go to SpriteCastle.com and look up this episode and you will find a link. So Commodore Free 87 has been released. Another application that I recently saw released is called C64 Studio. Uh, it's version 4.1. This is an application that's been uh, going on for quite some time now, but it is a uh, cross-development platform, which means you can develop Commodore 64 programs on your IBM PC, and then you can test them with, uh, I believe it it is set up to run with WinVice, so you can set up your programs and, and uh, code things and assembly or basic, and you can create your sprites and, and uh, modify character sets, anything that you want to do. You could do it right there on your PC and then uh, save those and run them in WinVice. And, you know, if you have uh, something like uh, the 1541 Ultimate or uh, well, there's lots of ways to do it, but you can transfer those D64 files over to a real disk. And I got to tell you, a secret dream of mine has been to code a Commodore 64 demo Ever since I saw, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I saw these great intros, great demos, things like that. And I used the programs that were out there, Demo Maker and Intro Maker and, and things like that. And, um, you know, I, I did that stuff, but I really want to code one for the ground up. So uh, hopefully I'm going to be able to use uh, C64 Studio and do that. I, I picked up, uh, I had a book out in my garage on uh, learning machine language, learning assembly for the 6502. So I've started reading that. I am on... Uh, page 18, and I hope pretty soon to be able to uh, make assembly program that will say hello world. <laughs> I haven't quite got to that point yet. <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, C64 Studio 4.1 has been released. There's also been uh, some more news about the Mega 65. That is the 8-bit computer. It is a FPGA that is being developed right now to uh, basically... Part of it is to, I, I guess it is backwards compatible uh, to the 64, but it, it runs much more quickly. It's going to have an SD card slot. It's going to have all these cool things that's uh, uh, patterned after the Commodore 65. Uh, so there's lots of cool things on this. I'll be honest with you. I, I haven't, what I'm trying to find out is how much this is going to cost, um, mostly because I have a uh, Mist, if you're familiar with the Mist FPGA machine, and I have lots of uh, cores for my Mist. That's how I do my uh, uh, Amiga, uh, meets my Amiga needs right now on my Atari ST, and it's such a small little footprint, and, and there's been so many cores released uh, over the past even six months that uh, the Mist is really exciting right now, and, I, and I've already uh, invested in that, so I don't know that I need another FPGA machine. And I've seen estimates anywhere from... I, there's no official price yet for the Mega 65. It's still in development, but I've seen estimates of $300 to $500. So, um, and if anybody knows a more specific price for that, uh, feel free to email me. You can always email me at spritecastle at gmail.com or my, my main email address, which is robohara at robohara.com. Either one of those work. Uh, so if you know anything more about the Mega 65 other than what's on the website, feel free to email me. 
The Shoot 'em Up Construction Kit 2015 contest is currently underway. Uh, Shoot 'em Up Construction Kit, or S E U C K. I hate seeing it written like that because it always looks like the word suck. <laughs> and uh, some of the games made with it do suck, but a lot of the ones uh, do not suck. They are, you can make some really fun things with Shoot 'em Up Construction Kit. And so the 2015 contest is underway. I will uh, add a link to the show notes. Uh, the guys over at TND64, who uh, I guess sponsor the contest, put together a CRT image that has all the entries from 2010 all the way to 2015 in one CRT image. So you can download that, uh, fire it up in, in WinVice, or uh, I don't know if it's compatible with the Easy Flash or not. I don't, I don't know that answer to that, but I know that it works in WinVice. You can fire it up. Uh, you can also head over to the uh, SEUCK 2015 uh, website and download all of this year's uh, contestants. You download those and play them, and then you can go to the website and vote for which ones are your favorite. So, I mean, how great is it uh, that we have a computer that was made in the early 80s that people are still releasing games for? And they're free. You can go right on there and download them. Everyone's not a classic, but there are a lot of fun games on there, and I and I played some of the ones uh, that are available this year, and there's a lot of good titles in there. So uh, definitely uh, hit SpriteCastle.com, and uh, on the show notes, I'll have a link to the SEUCK 2015 contest. I am sad to report that apparently the folks over at Commodore is Awesome have kidnapped Vinny from Hackersoft and must be keeping him... Uh, captured in their dungeon or something and forcing him to release <laughs> uh, his crazy hacks because that is the only explanation I can have for how many crazy hacks Vinny has released. Now, I mentioned on the last show uh, that Vinny teamed up with Commodore is Awesome, who, by the way, changed their URL, their new URL to Commodore is Awesome is Commodore.ninja, which is a great URL. I love it. Uh, they have teamed up now, so all of uh, Vinny's crazy hacks are being released uh, through Commodore is Awesome. So you could go there, and the last three that I've seen are there's a crazy hack for On the Farm, which is a sheep herding game. There's one for Horace Goes Skiing, which is a game I had never heard of before. And then there's one for Aztec Challenge, which I think everybody who's ever played it knows how hard that game is. And so that is a really... Uh, uh, beneficial game to have all these crazy hacks on. So uh, I will have links to all those in the show notes, but uh, uh, Vinny, my man, you got to slow down. I don't have time to play all these. <laughs> it's crazy how fast you're doing these. And uh, I really uh, thanks to Commodore's awesome for uh, hosting these and stuff. It's been, uh, I think that's a great partnership because those are two different, uh, uh, I don't know if you want to call um, uh, Vinny an organization, but two different forces that are both pushing uh, the Commodore forward. So uh, it's great that uh, these two have teamed up to release these. I got a little bit of feedback on the last episode. One was from uh, Michael Mulhern, and he and I have been talking. Uh, and I mentioned on the last episode that uh, I have uh, notifications that fire off if the word Commodore pops up in Craigslist. And he mentioned that uh, if he had one, I believe Michael's from the UK, he says if he had a search for uh, Commodores, that the General Motors Holden Commodore would come up much more often than the actual Commodore 64 computer. And so Michael and I have agreed that if either of us purchase a Commodore vehicle, we will put the Commodore logo uh, on the car. Also, Vic Sage uh, commented on Track and Field, which was the game that we played last time. And Vic Sage... Uh, 
had a one-line comment that I think summed up that episode, which was the most masochistic arcade machine ever made. And I, I agree. I mean, if you've ever played track and field in the arcade, just smashing those buttons until your hands hurt, uh, or playing it on the Commodore 64 until you broke your joystick. So good times. And now it's time to announce this week's King of the Castle. The King of the Castle this week is Paul Ramos. Now, I know what you're saying. Wasn't Paul Ramos the King of the Castle last time? Yes, he was. And he is the King of the Castle again this time. He is so much better than all of you. Paul correctly identified the song last week on track and field as Iron Maiden's Run to the Hills. Get it? So, congratulations again to Paul, who is the first two-time reigning King of the Castle. If you are not familiar with the King of the Castle, listen to the last 8-bit song played at the end of this episode. The first person to correctly identify that song, and you can send me your guess through either through Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Sprite Castle. You can get me your guess on Twitter, which is at Commodore. Or through email at either of the email addresses I mentioned before, SpriteCastle at gmail.com or Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com. The first person to correctly identify the last 8-bit song played at the end of this episode will be the king of the castle for the next episode. Although you may have a difficult time dethroning Paul Ramos. I think he's getting comfortable in the throne, people. So I don't know. <laughs> we have to pry him out of this throne. He, he uh, looks pretty comfortable sitting over there in the corner. So anyway, congratulations to Paul and good luck to whoever is going to be the next king of the castle. Those are this week's headlines brought to you by my local paper boy who just ran his bicycle into a break dancer. All right. Breaking is a memory. Boy, what a headache. Now that we've covered this week's news, let's discuss this week's snack. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. This week's snack is a bit of a stretch, so bear with me. <laughs> but um, my kids wanted to go out to dinner last night. We were trying to come up with a place to go, and we ended up going to CeCe's Pizza. Come in to CeCe's Pizza today, where you can enjoy our endless pizza, salad, pasta, and dessert buffet. Right now, Central Florida residents, for a limited time, get it all for only $2.99. So what are you waiting for? That's 24 feet of never-ending, mouth-watering goodness for only $2.99. Visit one of our eight convenient Central Florida locations today. CeCe's. Endless pizza. Endless value. Now, CeCe's Pizza started off as a really good pizza chain. When they first started, they had really good pizza, and it was really inexpensive. It was $2.99 for all you can eat, uh, at least around here. Now, when we go to CeCe's Pizza, I can barely choke it down. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I mean, it's it's worse. I would say it's like microwave pizza but I or uh, like a frozen pizza, but I like frozen pizza better than I like CeCe's Pizza. So sorry if you work for CC's Pizza or you're associated with CC's Pizza. I'm not a huge fan. But my favorite pizza, and it's my kids' favorite pizza as well, at CC's Pizza is the macaroni and cheese pizza, which is literally what it sounds like, a pizza covered with macaroni and cheese. And so that pizza, if you look on their menu online, and I will add a link to this in the show notes if you really want to see it, uh, but that pizza is called the Mac Daddy. And of course, you may recognize the name Mac Daddy as one half of Crisscross, Mac Daddy and Daddy Mac. Where we're going with this... 
<laughs> Crisscross is most famous for their song, Jump. Jump, jump. Yes, that's it. And so there you go. There's the connection. CC's, the Daddy Mac Pizza. Daddy Mac Pizza makes you want to jump, jump. Jump, jump. And why is that the talking snack? Because this week's game is Jump Man. Jump Man and Jump Man Jr. were published for the Commodore 64 in 1983 by Epix. They are games for one to four players that use joystick controls. The game was originally created by Randy Glover. According to Moby Games, Randy Glover programmed Jumpman and Jumpman Jr. He designed Jumpman, Jumpman Jr., and Summer Games, and he provided the music for Jumpman, Jumpman Jr., Summer Games, and Summer Games 2. Now, if you don't know, Randy Glover developed the original Jumpman for his Atari 400 computer. He approached Epix when the game was 85% complete and showed it to them. Uh, they told him to go finish the game, and when they did, they purchased it. And then he quickly ported it also to the Commodore 64. The Commodore 64 version went on to sell 40,000 copies, which is claimed that Jumpman was the biggest selling title for the Commodore 64 in 1983. And this eventually also led to Jumpman Jr. The difference between Jumpman and Jumpman Jr., I guess we can talk about this now, is that Jumpman contains 30 levels. And Jumpman Jr. was considered to be a water... It wasn't originally considered to be a sequel. It was considered to be a watered-down version of Jumpman. And it was uh, only contains 12 levels. And it was smaller so that it would fit on a cartridge for people that didn't have disc drives. Moby Games lists 62 Epics titles for the Commodore 64. Other than games, uh, they also released the Epics Fastload, which was my personal favorite fast-loading cartridge. And they also released the Epix 500XJ joystick, which is uh, probably my favorite joystick for the Commodore 64. So lots of Epix titles and peripherals released for the Commodore 64. Uh, trivia fact, in 1986, they developed a handheld console called the Handy, uh, which they were not able to market. And so they sold it to Atari, who renamed it the Lynx. So there you go. Epix also responsible for the Lynx. Epics had a long series of hits through the 1980s, but they went bankrupt in 1989, and then they finally disappeared, according to this article, in 1993. So there you go. Jumpman is very obviously inspired by Donkey Kong. It is a uh, platform-type game for home computers. There's a lot going on in this game that is not evident unless you have read the manual. Now, as a kid, I never had the manual to this game. I just played it, and I wondered why you were running around these levels collecting little orange circles, which I assumed were pumpkins. <laughs> so anyway, this is the information uh, contained in the inside of the manual. The enemy has infiltrated Jupiter headquarters. Alienators have sabotaged all systems, planted bombs throughout its 30 levels, ready to blast headquarters to ashes at any moment. Can they be stopped? Already, Jupiter-1 is starting to crumble. Can it be saved? And can the other two command centers be secured before the alienators overrun their defenses? It's up to you. You, trained as the government's top-secret weapon, are the only one able to defuse the bombs and restore the communication systems. You are Jupiter Jumpman. You have the speed, skill, and seven lives necessary to outwit the alienators. You have the ability to scale ladders, girders, ropes, and mysterious mazes to quickly find the bombs, and only you know how to defuse them. 
Be alert. Instantly able to dodge or jump over the alienator's bullets. Be prepared. Always ready to fight their evil backup forces of dragons, robots, and other destroyers. And constantly watch out for crumbling girders, falling objects, and many other nasty surprises. Your joystick activates your jet boosters, enabling you to leap around each level of headquarters while avoiding deadly obstacles. Jump on target and you'll succeed. Restore power and fuse the bombs and save Jupiter. Miss your target, and you might find yourself dangling from a ledge with all but your seventh life gone. So, trivia fact. Jumpman takes place on Jupiter. I had no idea. Also, the little orange things are not pumpkins. They are bombs. And you are not collecting pumpkins. You are diffusing bombs. That brings us to the menu screen. There are five choices on the menu screen. There's beginner, intermediate, advanced, grand loop, and randomizer. Now, beginner, intermediate, and advanced are each are sets of 10 levels. Uh, Grand Loop is levels 1 through 30, and Randomizer randomly selects the levels. You can also select up to 1 to 4 players in Jumpman. Only one joystick is used, and it's in Port 2, so players 1 through 4 will take turns playing Jumpman. The goal of each level of Jumpman is to collect all the bombs, defuse the bombs. Uh, the bombs, by collecting them, can do different things. They can make sections of the level disappear. They can change the level. Uh, also on the level, there are ladders that you can climb up and down. Occasionally, you will find levels where the ladders are moving. There are green vines, and when you uh, jump onto or walk across a green vine, you always climb up. In fact, that happens automatically. There are purple vines, and when you connect to those, you will always climb down. If you step off of anything, you will die. <laughs> if you step down one pixel, you will fall, and Jumpman will be killed. Now, you can jump down a little ways, but you cannot walk off of the end of anything. You'll be killed. There are tons and tons of bad guys in Jumpman that you will encounter. The first that you will experience is the what I call the roaming bullet. I believe it is the alienator's bullet that is referenced in the uh, in the manual. This is a bullet that slowly floats around the perimeter of the screen, either left to right, right to left, up to down, down to up. Uh, and when it crosses where you are, it will fire, and it will. Uh, you'll hear an explosion sound, and it will take off. Uh, so whenever you hear that, you need to move. You need to move either left or right or up or down. And so you always need to keep an eye on where that bullet is. Uh, there's everything in this game from, <laughs> gosh, robots. Um, I'm trying to think of all the things that, that are in this level. There's vampire bats on a level, and they're just crazy. Every level is different. Every level uh, has something unique to it, uh, whether it's a puzzle to solve or a unique uh, enemy to deal with. So there's lots of variety to this game. I just played through the first 10 easy levels, and when you are done with that, a spaceship shows up <laughs> and says, congratulations, uh, Jupiter Jumpman. So again, apparently as a kid, I never beat all 10 levels, or I would have known that this game uh, takes place on Jupiter. Now, because this game was originally designed for the Atari 400, the Atari 400 version 
has a few graphical features that don't appear in the other versions. And these are uh, like there's a when certain things uh, like when bombs go off, I think that the screen shakes. There's just some different uh, graphical effects that the Atari 400 does. So the Commodore 64 version doesn't do those things, but it does other things. Uh, for example, Jumpman on the Atari 400 is all one color. I mean, the actual man is all one color where Jumpman on the Commodore 64 uh, is multicolor. She has a little white head and a little little shirt and little blue jean pants, or whatever. And, and um, so he's very cute. As I mentioned, Jumpman was originally released on the Atari 400 computer. It was quickly ported to the Commodore 64, uh, the Apple II. It also appeared as a PC booter disc and later was released on the Wii. So if you uh, would like to play Jumpman, there's lots of ways to play Jumpman. I'll talk about that in a minute, but you can get it uh, for the Wii. So uh, the original Jumpman was released in 1983, and due to the success, uh, they decided to come up with a sequel. However, not everybody had a disk drive at that time, so uh, Jumpman Jr. was created, which is another additional 12 levels that are unique. Uh, Jumpman Jr. was designed to fit on cartridges instead of being a floppy disk game. And Jumpman Jr. was released again for the Atari 8-bit computers, for the ColecoVision, and also for the Commodore 64. Those were the only systems originally that you could play Jumpman and Jumpman Jr. on until 1991, in which Apogee released Jumpman Lives. Uh, this was a DOS game that included Jumpman, Jumpman Jr., and a level editor. Uh, this was a really cool release. This was also an unauthorized release. <laughs> they were quickly sued uh, or threatened uh, with a lawsuit from Epic's. And it was removed from the market. So uh, you can easily find it available for download, but it was very difficult to find uh, to purchase at that time. Now let's get into a bit of my personal memories of Jumpman. The first system I ever played Jumpman on was the Apple II. I've mentioned that we had an Apple II when I was younger before I got my Commodore. Uh, so I played lots of Jumpman on the Apple II. And then I played Jumpman on our PC Junior. So I was well, uh, very familiar with Jumpman before I got my Commodore 64. I got it in 1985. Uh, and I did quickly get Jumpman and Jumpman Junior for my Commodore 64. So it is a, uh, a game that I have a lot of experience with. I've played for many, many years and I greatly enjoy uh, Jumpman. I remember wishing as a kid that there was a way to make my own Jumpman levels. Uh, I I've mentioned, uh, on load runner, you know, load runner had the level editor, which we just thought was genius. And my dad and I spent a lot of time making our own levels for each other, uh, trying to build traps and, and uh, do things to outsmart each other. So I always wished, that Jumpman had, uh, on the Commodore, had that ability to make my own levels. Jumpman, for me, came out at a time when uh, you had console video games and you had arcade games, and there was this battle, which was better. You know, did you want to play uh, games at home on your Atari? Did you want to play uh, games in the arcade? But not a lot of people thought about arcade-style games on home computers. So when Jumpman came out, uh, it was very fast. 
it ran like uh, you know the games that we had on ho- on uh, home consoles, and it ran like an arcade game. You could run around with a joystick and do all these things, and so uh, it kind of set that um, maybe not set an expectation, but it made everybody realize uh, that you could play arcade style games on a home computer. So to me, that's kind of what. Uh, Jumpman represents was that uh, home computers. Obviously, we know as Commodore 64 owners that uh, home computers are can be great, can be wonderful at playing games. But for those earlier versions, like on the Apple and the uh, IBM, I think it showed people that uh, they could be great at playing those style of games. So to me, that that's what Jumpman represents. For graphics, I give Jumpman 3 out of 5 Jupiter Bombs. I think the graphics are adequate. I don't think they're great, um, but uh, they show everything that that they need to show and uh, allow you to play the game. The music on Jumpman, I'm going to give 4 out of 5 to. Uh, The music is is not... It doesn't play during the levels, but it plays in between the levels, and they are very catchy, and I still catch myself today humming them when I was playing. I, I look forward to hearing all the different ones. Uh, sound effects, I give the game 3 out of 5 Jupiter Bombs. Uh, there are sound effects, the sound of you running and different things happening. And they're kind of fun, but they can kind of get a little annoying after a while, too. Overall, I give Jumpman and Jumpman Jr. 5 out of 5 Jupiter Bombs. It is a quick and fun game to pick up. It is still fun. 34 years after it was originally released. I still enjoy it. I highly recommend if you have not played Jumpman or Jumpman Jr. to pick these games up and give them a shot. tuning into Sprite Castle. The next game I will be covering is Commando. If you'd like to play Commando before the next show is released, head on over to SpriteCastle.com and click the downloads link at the top of the page where you can download Commodore 64 emulators and all the games that have been reviewed so far on Sprite Castle. If you'd like to send me feedback about this or any other episode of Sprite Castle, you can email me at Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com, contact me on Twitter at Commodore. Follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Sprite Castle or leave me a voicemail on the Flat Podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. Sprite Castle is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the SpriteCastle.com RSS feed, and through throwbacknetwork.net, your home for quality retro podcasts. To hear more podcasts from me, check out You Don't Know Flat, Throwback Reviews, Rusted Metal, and the No Quarter Podcast. You can find links to all these shows at robohair.com forward slash podcasts. Many of the news articles and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites such as Commodore is Awesome, the Commodore Scene Database, Lemon64, and Moby Games. For links to these and more websites, check out the list of links on the right-hand side of SpriteCastle.com. Thanks again for listening. Now get back to disarming those Jupiter space bombs, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle. <laughs>